What is going on, guys? Welcome back to Collective Comics and the Lights Comics Action Podcast. We're diving into episode number 27 here today. Man, we're getting in deep to these episodes. We're officially far enough into our episode list that we screwed up last week. <laughs> last week was 20... Yep, and I said it multiple times, too, and I, I feel like the way I delivered it was with pure confidence. Oh, if, if <laughs> like, you're wrong, like, oh, at it's... least be wrong with confidence, you know? Yeah, 100%, man. You know, but episode 27 is a dope one. We got a special one for y'all. Man, this one's really cool. We we did our first, um, I guess you could say, FaceTime interview. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had Zach on an episode, but this is the first one where we got somebody and we got on the computer and we, we got to know some people. Right. We actually had two somebody's very special guests that we had on the podcast this week. We had director... Adam Schomer, as well as um, Darren Watts, the owner of the what is coming to be known as the Fantastic Collection, and they're working on a documentary called Selling Superman, and man, that trailer looks really cool. If you guys want to see those trailers and everything else for it, you can head over to SellingSuperman.com. That's where you're going to see all the latest news, details, and even investment opportunities to get in on this document. Yeah, there's a documentary about Darren and his father's collection and this conversation got way deeper than i had originally expected it would going into it but i'm so happy with the conversation that we had you know what i mean like it was so much i have so much more respect for them and this documentary knowing the story and it's it's so mm -hmm. cool to me <laughs> you know like i was i went from like i'll see this documentary when it comes out to like i want to see the documentary tomorrow <laughs> you know what i mean yeah but 100 yeah. percent we had a great conversation with some very great people. We we're very grateful for them uh, hopping on the podcast and telling us all about their documentary and giving us some behind-the-scenes information. Dope. Let's get into it. How are you guys doing today? Pretty well. Fantastic. Awesome. Thanks for having awesome. us on. Yeah. Very excited. There's, uh, I you know, you guys have the website selling superman.com, which has, mm -hmm. um, some more of like uh, press and, uh, other things that you guys have been, been going into. That's actually how I found you guys was, was through some of the press releases on Instagram and, right. um, uh, yeah. And there's a sizzle like there that. on the website too. People can see like an extended trailer that we, uh, we wanted to put out, you know, even while we're in production here, we're still filming. It's an ongoing story. So it's fun to start to get the word out while things are happening because it's, it's like the film affects real life, as Darren knows, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. We, that's, that's one thing I was going to ask is if you guys were done filming, if it's wrapped up or anything like that. We're, we're, uh, we're, still, we're still in production. There's probably, you know, 20% more to go, 15, 20% more to go. Uh, the story is always unfolding, but we've covered a lot so far. I started... Uh, uh, I mean, Darren, Darren can tell you how long the journey has been happening, obviously his whole life, but, um, but I started filming November of 21 is when I first went out there and, Dar and uh, we looked at Darren's old house before it sold. So we got to see where the comics were stored and in a very cinema verite way, like be with Darren and his mom and his brother in that old house before it went. So that, that was cool. And then wow. we ramped up after that. So it's been a good, at least a good year of uh, shooting on and off. You know? Wow, so there's going to be a lot a lot to cover in, in this story. Yeah. Um, Before we get too say, far into it, let's. can you guys just explain to anybody who doesn't know 
exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about filming and the documentary and selling Superman and what that is exactly. Sure. You, you, Darren, you want to take it or you want me to? Go ahead. Um, all right. So, I mean, look, my, my friend Darren, who, you know, we went to high school together, but um, he called me up and said, hey, there's this 40-year secret that we didn't talk about, people didn't know about. My dad collected comics in an obsessive way, you know, uh, incredible way, um, partly caused by his Asperger's, which, again, you know, wasn't really talked about. And... It left him with 300,000 comics and uh, a Superman number one graded at a 7.0. It wasn't graded at the time, but now is. And we started talking, and um, we thought it would be a great idea to follow that journey. And it really, as I got to know Darren and his family more, you know you know people a bit in high school, but you, how often do you get to sit down with their mom and talk with their mom about the relationship with the father? And it's really a fascinating family portrait. Uh, it's It's... Um, not an easy story by any means, and I think it's an emotional father-son story, a story of mental health, and and I think in the end a real powerful story of, um, of finding out what we give meaning to and our power to give meaning to things. And Darren can talk more about the specifics of it, but that's that's what we're going for in the film. It's it's fun. Comic books are fun too. You know, as much as it's an emotional story, this is a great genre, and I you know you guys must have a blast being being around superheroes all day. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's definitely. Yeah, I think I think the the big thing that um, you know I was really intrigued with as far as the film. You know, I'm I'm not chasing any fame. I'm not chasing any notoriety. In fact, I'm really uncomfortable with it. You know, uh, seeing articles and things. We've been on the front page of our local newspaper, and I was horrified. And that's the truth. I mean, yes, I agreed to do the uh, you know the spread with them and whatnot, but I figured it'd be buried in some back corner of the you know it's not like front page news, right? But you know, hey, people are really taking to it, and 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 they're saying, wow, this this is very interesting, and it's incredibly humbling. So. You know, I never thought it'd be like this. Um, to be honest with you, there's times I regret doing it at all. There's times that I'm really delighted and, you know, having opportunities to meet with cool people. I just want to be understood correctly, and I think that's the um, the big thing that I hope the film's going to really um, uh, help with is dispel some, you know, maybe some assumptions and um, just really give gravity to the impact that something like this can have on you growing up and your family and that's great that there's a tremendous amount of value to it now monetarily, but really that's that's not what the story's about. And that's real important to note. I think that's Yeah, a- I found myself getting really attached to your guys' story, like watching the trailers and, and trying to find out as much about the documentary as I can. Um, that I was finding myself more attached to, to you guys and, and your family than I was um, the comics. You know, the comics kind of brought me there and got me there, and then I was like, this is... A crazy crazy story you know from, from all different angles all, all you know all the emotion I'm sure it covers every kind of emotion yeah and, and that's that's something that's important that we're trying to get the word out is that you know that I've I've been very um, I guess you could use the word proud or whatever to, uh, you know, be in the position of life that I am independently of having anything to do with this. You know, this wasn't something I asked for. This isn't something that I was intending on having. This isn't something I looked forward to having. It's not something I planned my life around having. You know, I I have, um, you know, multiple businesses that I put my heart and soul into. They're all ground up. And, you know, a lot of great people that work with me or for me. But the fact is that this isn't about, you know, a, 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 you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow kind of scenario here. That's not what this is about. You know, this is in addition to anything I've ever built independently. And, and while there's a tremendous amount of value, again, it's not defining me. It's never defining me. And so, you know, that's just something really important we're trying to 
make sure this is touched on because you know when you have that mindset where this is not technically life-changing money and life-changing you know monetary value well then you can really do what you want with it and that includes working with who you want when you want um, you know, making sure you get it to people that really appreciate this stuff instead of feeling desperate, like you just have to dump it. Um, you know, we can take our time, work with people we think really value it and aren't just trying to scalp us, right? You know what I yeah. mean? So you hear so many of those stories um, where people are forced to or they're tricked or, you know what I mean? They just, they don't have the, the means themselves to even contain a collection like this, let alone grade it. You know, so we're very fortunate to be able to take our time, do it right how we want, and um, not let it define it. We're working with, uh, you know, several charities. So, they, you know, it's just it's just a good way to um, bring this out in a way that's totally opposite from how it was when I was raised. You know, this was all kept in the dark, hidden, not talked about, completely secluded. And here we are now. Look at, you know, we've never met before, and here we're talking about this openly, and, you know, it'll go to whoever your audience is. I mean, that couldn't be further from what my father was doing <laughs> with this collection. So it feels really good to turn, as Adam always says, it, you know, change the narrative of, of, of what these things do. You know, they're the same books, but they did, you know, cause this pain before, and now they're able to come out and, and have this positive impact. It's very interesting. Yes, yes, very total opposite sides of the spectrum um, as far as, like you said, them being very valuable. And um, I think you were stating a little bit before that that's what most people will try to try to do. And have yeah. you had any like occurrences where people were, oh, you have this? Let me let me see. Oh, no, it's not. It's not what it seems, you know, almost trying to scalp you. Oh, gosh, yes, of course. You know, I mean, I have people, um, and listen, I don't mind. You know, I try to stay, again, very feet on the ground. I appreciate that people have, you know, a collection they're trying to fill and that they see an opportunity like this, like, oh, look at this guy. You know, maybe this is a source that I can go to, to, you know, to fill some of my gaps and whatnot. Listen, I appreciate that. Why, why, there's nothing anyone doing wrong about that. But what needs to be realized is that, you know, I'm getting attacked from all different angles all the time. Like, you know, and it's always about, can I... Can I, do you have, you know, it's always coming at me as of wanting something, right? And, um, you know, again, it's not like, I've even had people ask, like, literally, if I'd almost give stuff away because there's so much there. And, you know, you know I don't know if, if there's some entitlement. You're going to have those one-off people. Most people, you know, just want to know if you have certain books. And um, uh, the problem is, right, that we have right now is nothing's organized. Okay, so, so how my father collected, and just imagine 300,000 plus comics, and then remember sports cards, and then remember Star Wars toys, and then remember other collectibles, and we're still sorting through them. He has just as many sports cards as he does comics. Yeah, and it, so it wasn't just comics. No, 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 wow. no. This, this, this man, and, and see, that's, that's where when people are, um, you know, try to give credit, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not about taking credit away from my father. That, that, it's very important, is that a lot of... Uh, a lot of the mind, or I sort of should say, a lot of the reaction is that you know, oh, we really hated on him when he was alive, and you know, thought he was, you know, crazy for doing what he did. But now, again, you know, that there's there's dollar signs that we think it's great. That is not the case. I still think it's stupid. Right. <laughs> I still think this is insane. Okay, the way that he did it, how he did it, was not conducive. I mean, listen, anybody can pick up a whole bunch of stuff, put it in a box, and leave it for fifty years. Right. Anybody. There's no genius to that. Okay, and, and here's the thing. He didn't do it with just like 
just the keys. Well, we have everything. We have a ton of garbage. When I say garbage, yeah, I mean yeah. stuff that has no monetary value. I mean, it just doesn't work in it anybody. No one wants it. You know what I mean? You know, whether it's just whatever. And, you know, we have in, incredibly low-grade stuff. And then we have some of the highest-grade stuff that's on the census. I mean, that's what's amazing is we have so many titles that are, like, top in the census because of the way it was preserved and stored and not touched. And then we have runs of, or not just runs, but multiple copies of certain keys that he just specked on and said, oh, okay, you know, I'll buy, I'll buy 200 copies of Ghost Rider 1. I'll buy 200 copies of Strange Tales 169. I'll buy 200 copies. Yes. Those are accurate wow. numbers. Okay, I'll buy 200 copies of Star Wars 1 or whatever. You know, 150. I don't even know. Okay? But the thing is, yes, I'll do that. And, and on and on and on and on and on. And so the thing is, there was some of that. But it's not about me thinking that he was a genius collector. People were like, oh, my God, he's for the forethought. No, he was just a hoarder. And comics and collectibles and cards were his thing. And he just bought whatever. So guess what? If you buy everything, you're going to walk out sometimes. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's just what it is. And so, but it was at the sacrifice of doing a lot of other things with the family, whether it would be vacations, experiences, other things. So was it genius in that way? Well, he never got to realize it or capture it. I certainly didn't ask for it or was relying on it. I have a younger brother and um, he, he, uh, he needs help with economic decisions, things like that. He, um, um, he, he, he's, 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 we're very sensitive to what we talk about, but he's, he's not fully independent, if that makes sense, if that's a good way to say it, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so the fact is that he needs help uh, in a lot of different ways. So he's not equipped to deal with this at all. Now, again, I make sure he's treated fairly and all his needs are obviously always met, always. But he, my father dumped this on me alone and he left no instruction. He had no will. They weren't organized. There was no list. There was nothing created, nothing. So it's, and I begged him for years, you know, decades, literally, to, hey, let's do this as a family. Let's enjoy this as a family. So so anyone is sitting there thinking like, oh, this guy's just cashing out and, you know, hating on his dad while he was alive and now, you know, he's got these millions and millions and millions of dollars of comics. Um, they're wrong. They're wrong. That's not what I wanted. That's not what I was hoping for. And I wanted to do this as a business with my father beforehand or just have him do it on his own and facilitate and help him. But he could never let go. He could never let go of his mm -hmm. stuff. He was really sentimental um, towards towards keeping those kind of things. I find myself um, doing those kind of things as a collector as well. Um, and now when you're saying he bought two or 300 copies, you know, I buy three or four copies. And mm -hmm. some people are like, you buy three or four copies of the same book, why? You know, so, so three or four, that's a lot. And, um, but it's not, though. Think about it real quick. Okay, I mean, Warren Buffett 101, it's just as an investment, okay? When it's raining gold, you put out bathtubs, not buckets. So yeah. if you think something's going to hit, you're just making a good investment by doing what you're doing, okay? He just did it to multiple, you know, more copies than that. But remember, he was paying cover for this. Yeah. A hundred copies at 30 cents? You guys got 30 bucks? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, the, yeah. okay, are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Big deal. So it was That's a yeah. dinner, dude. That's a nice dinner. Oh, yeah. So he spent 30 bucks. He spent a nice dinner on 100 copies of Ghost Rider 1. Wow. Yippee. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a, but he it's did. A bit okay, different. fine. You see? Yeah, exactly yeah, right. It was, it was a lot different then, right? Different. And then he also had, was he was also very, very close to the comic store owner of the store that he frequented since the 70s. And he became very close with that owner. So... Was there, hey, order me an extra case of this title coming out? 
You know, I do know on our giant size, we have 13 giant size X-Men. I think eight of them are nine eights. Yeah. Wow. Well, here's the thing. He wanted more. We talked to, and Adam remembers, we talked to one yeah. of the employees at the store uh, that, that he bought from. We tracked him down and it was a great conversation. Uh, and he told a story about how my father wanted to, literally the case of giant size that they kind of found uh, when they were moving locations. And they said, no, you can't have all of them. You know what I mean? He said, oh, okay. Well, and they ended up with 13. Well, when they go from the case to board and bag to his car to a box at home, that's it. And I mean, I want to touch on another thing. You talk about like your collection, you may be sentimental, you don't want to lose touch with it. Let me ask you this. I see some stuff in the background, even in your stuff, I don't know what that is, but you have them out. Do you display them? Do you, do you look at them? Do you enjoy them? Do you share them with your friends? I, I do. I do. That was he did none of that, that I also wanted to touch on. He did nothing, none of that. Mm -hmm. So the answer is when you talk about sentimental or whatever, I think he just liked the idea that he had them. They were under sheets. They were in boxes in the dark. They were in closed up rooms. We had two rooms upstairs in, our, in my childhood home that needed um, work done to the floor because there were so many boxes that it was bowing the floor. So he had a, a, a handyman come in and of course, one of the first things the guy wanted to do is look in the room, like, what am I doing? He wouldn't let him in the room. He's like, no, you can do everything from underneath. The guy's like, no, I kind of need to see what's in the room and understand, like, you know, you have two grand pianos in there, or what do you got in there, you know? And, um, and he never let him in the room. He never did anything about it. You know, that was the lever of neurosis. We weren't allowed in those rooms. We weren't allowed to take friends in those rooms. So you, you tell me what kind of stigma that would give to me as a kid we're talking kid, like five, six, seven, eight years old, all the way up. You know, you think I loved comics? You think Probably I? Not, to be honest. You're right. You're right. I resented him, and I don't care if he had a Batman or Superman. I didn't even know what those were. I mean, we had never seen them. And were they tattered? Were they in pieces? Or they, were they the second nicest copy in the world, like ours was at the time? No clue. You know, I, you know, and you know, as you're talking about that resentment, Darren, I think it's important to remind people that you know, Darren's mom, when she divorced Dale. Uh, <laughs> didn't want anything to do with the comics. The lawyer said, you know, you can have whatever they're worth, we don't know, but you can have half that. She said, I want nothing to do with that. Correct. Um, and I think that's a real heroic thing to like say, no, that's the past and I don't want anything to do with it. I want to move on and create a new, create a new life. And I really, I really love that about, about your mom. I mean, like I said, you know, just getting to know someone's mom when we're adults is kind of a unique, unique thing as a friend. And she's, she's, a, she's a hero. My mother is a hero, and my mother, thank God for her, because she was a pillar to me throughout this and reminding me that the treatment that we were experiencing was not normal, and it was a beacon for me, because without her, I wouldn't have known what was normal. How do you know what's your normal? You're raised with it your whole life, right? That is your normal. You know, you're, you're, you're in the forest. You're surrounded by the trees. You don't know. And so the thing is that she would constantly remind me, Darren, honey, you know, people don't do this. This is normal. You, know, you go to friends' house and you know this, they don't hoard like that or whatever. But the answer is that she would talk about the passive aggressiveness as well. And he drove her crazy. And she finally did divorce him. And, and a large part of it was because of his consuming, you know, hoarding nature that his priorities were so messed up. Um, but but it's so important that Adam says is she's not a materialistic person, wasn't then, isn't now. She had no benefit from the comics. I'll give her anything she wants, but I would have done that anyways. I have my own means, okay? My mother is not lacking, you know, um, um, but she is in no way um, lives lavishly. In fact, she prides herself on simplicity. 
Um, and so she benefited nothing from the financial gain of these comics, nor now or then. So, you know, again, you'll have people that misunderstand and look at, you know, like, the, the, the CBS article, um, um, you know, newscast and be like, oh, here she is proud now. She knows how much they're worth. That's a zero factor right. in anything. What she's proud of is that we are finally embracing them as a potential positive and that we are not hiding them. And I'm not doing the same thing to my stepkids that was done to me uh, and, 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 and creating this family secrecy and so on. So that's just a huge point. And thank you for reminding that, Adam, because it's the truth. Yeah. And, and, and again, that's great. These things are worth a lot of money. He didn't even know. <laughs> he didn't even know. Yeah, that's another thing, because you were saying he's buying them at cover price when these books came out, so it's not like somebody went and spent $10,000 on one book and knew kind of that it was going to be eventually worth even more than that. Well, he, 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 and he did have the concept. He knew he was invested, okay? Mm -hmm. But he didn't know what, like when I'd ask him, uh, first of all, there's a there's a second there's a second video. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know if you're aware of our custom label that we have with CGC. Mm -hmm. yes. Okay, and if you watch that second video, okay, on the website, so on SellingSuperman.com, the, the top video is the trailer and the sizzle, yep. and then underneath it is an explanation of that label. And if you haven't watched it, please do. You'll find it fascinating being in the comic world. It's like ten minutes long, and it's me meeting with Matt Nelson at CGC. It's me meeting with you know the head people at Heritage about that very emotional journey of going through and 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 um, coming up with the imagery for the label. And why I mention that is because one of the scenes in the label was a UFO beaming his, his stuff up, to, uh, up into space from a bottomless pit. And it may look completely random, like, what the heck is this about? Well, again, the, 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 that little video explains it, and then we explain it in other, other places, like the provenance certificate that we give out with every sold uh, graded book. It has the explanation on there as well now. But the point is that he literally, when asked, I said, well, what are you going to do with this stuff? Well, you know, I figure I'm just going to, you know, beam up to space and float around with it. Now, he was kidding, but he never went further than that. Does that make sense? So he'd give this, like, weird, deflective answer, but never qualified. And never said, but what I really mean is that I want you to do this, or this is how you should handle it, or this is my wishes with it, or whatever. Give it all to starving children. Okay, Dad, whatever you say. Put in your will. He didn't have a will. He was an attorney. He was a business attorney. I'd call up some of his best friends, his closest friends, after his passing, and, and you know, let them know the news. And um, when I, you know, they'd ask how I was and everything and so on, and I'd say, well, you know, just sorting through a lot of his stuff is a challenge. I said he didn't have a will, and they'd all be like, he didn't have a will. He did my will. How could he not have a will for himself? You know. So again, this is the kind of things that you know we deal with that that people don't get to see. They just get to see like. Oh, spoiled rich kid inherits a bunch of books. Lucky him. Oh, my God. And his daddy didn't tell him he loved him enough. Screw him. You know, I even had literally one guy say to me, in a direct message, no one feels sorry for the rich guy. Well, I was rich before the comics, and I'm not bragging on that. I'm just trying to say, I've done my own stuff. I don't know what to consider rich. I consider myself that I was very well before the comics. Nothing to do with it. And, and again, when you have that kind of attitude, um, that's, just, that's just hurtful and, and, and misunderstood. Anyway, I, I know Adam will do a phenomenal job of, of you know, painting the whole portrait of, of what this is. And uh, again, uh, this isn't about comic books. You're absolutely right. That's the vehicle for delivering this story. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I actually wanted to ask Adam, as somebody on the outside of the family looking in, like, 
Darren barely knew this was in his house, let alone you, a friend from high school, knowing <laughs> this is in the house. You know what I mean? And I don't know if you're in the comic world at all, but it's so easy for comic heads to glorify what this is. But as somebody <laughs> directing something that yeah. might not get the whole story out there, how does this feel? Like you're watching this roller coaster in front of you, just a family going through this as a director, especially. How are you perceiving this, and how are you, how is your head through all this? Yeah, it's amazing. The, fa the family portrait is amazing as it unravels uh, because, yeah, I mean, Darren and I played soccer together. I was a couple years older. So I, I had, you know, uh, met his dad and mom or, you know, had seen him after a game and all that, but you don't know much. Um, I'm sure Darren was aware of the comics, you know, because you see the sheets covering boxes right. of comics in your home, maybe not aware of what's actually in it. Um, even more mysterious, right? He's shaking his head like, yeah, he didn't know what was in it. And his buddy Brian, who loved comics, I'm sure wanted to know what was in it so bad. But no, I was not a comic lover growing up. You know, I played soccer, and that was uh, as far as it went. And I, I read uh, Lord of the Rings. So I've always, always been passionate about fantasy and story, which is great. Uh, so I, I come at it from an angle that's not a comic lover that gets to look at this underbelly of an industry and expose it for the greater audience on, in the documentary. Like, oh, this is how things work here. And, and what I've been really amazed by was the passion and the sincerity and the authenticity in the, in the business. I shouldn't even say the business, but in the, in the people that love comics and why they love them. And we, want, and we, we bring that out in the film. We will bring it out, how many people were heroes have touched them in a certain way. Uh, the, the comics have been a saving grace for them. You know, one of the artists, the artists that did the label for Darren, you know, Iron Man was really important to him because he was bullied as a kid and he always wanted to be in this protective place and the comic was that for him to, to escape bullying. So I've been surprised by a lot of stories like that just in, in terms of comics in general. Uh, I was blown away by the value part, the fact that a book could be $4 million or $3 million. Um, and I, it, it set me into that question of why do we give such value to things? Where is our meaning placed? Why are superheroes so important? These are the questions that were driving me as a filmmaker to say, let's look at this stuff. And, and Darren's story is a great way to look at it all, especially with the family history and what we learn to put value on you know, from our parents and from our society and from the stories. And then how we can eventually you know, start to choose that in our life, what we want to value, uh, what we think is important. Take the good things from our parents and our society, but change our society for the better or our lives for the better. That's what really motivates me and it's, it's amazing. Like I got to meet Darren's aunt, you know, who's down in Florida. This is Dale's sister who collects dolls, you know, and is a Disney fanatic. And you start to see the, the story, you know, come together and the family portrait come together and to know about, you know, Darren's mom's family and father and why she might have brought in someone like Dale as a love of her life. These things are interesting, uh, I think, and make it, like you guys are saying, more of a more than just about the comics. The comics is that tra Trojan horse that's interesting, that keeps us involved, and, and frankly keeps us laughing a lot, too, because Darren and Brian have a good time, and I, I see behind you, you got that Batman poster. Brian's a Batman lover, and Darren's a <laughs> Superman lover, and we have this great battle going throughout the whole film uh, about which is better, and, uh, and, and we bring in, everyone in on it and ask everybody. You know what they would. Some people would sell Superman, uh, the Superman one, because they just don't. They, they like Batman, you know. And some people would sell Batman because they like Superman. So we have a good time with it. I'm learning every day, which is fun, and um, meeting cool people like yourself that just have been really, you know, into comics their whole life. It's 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 fun to see anybody passionate about something. I think. Oh yeah, and and one of my favorite things about, um, you know, even acquiring a new collection or, or um, 
going and getting some new books and stuff like that is sometimes the stories kind of come come to you you know with what those books have been through um but a lot of times they end up getting lost and i think one of the coolest things about you know any book in your collection is that th it has a story and with this documentary um it's it's gonna continue to, to go through it and True. no matter who owns that book is is gonna understand you know it's way more than the ink that is on a couple of pages of paper amazing yeah yeah it's a cool thing well we hope we hope that's the case and you know uh, to, to follow up on, on Adam's value you know I I've been a part of, of um, you know uh, should I say you know relativity as far as value right I mean again so you know we just sold our Batman one right in an 80 and I think you saw that on heritage okay um, and you know so that book someone paid you know with the virus premium and all that kind of stuff that that ended up being uh, someone paid 1.1 something million dollars for that book okay? and you think about that you're like you know like Adam says how, how could someone possibly pay that much for that and the fact is that I'm, I'm, I'm very used to the concept of that being relative you know who bought it you know what what percentage of their net worth did they spend on that and is that like you know um, a, 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 a you know a, a normal American buying a comic book for five hundred dollars you know what's the relativity to that to them and I find that very interesting okay because the fact is everyone everyone fixates on that dollar figure which listen by any standard that's a, a tremendous amount of money for for that book but really when you think about it is it because it's a piece of history, a piece of art, and it's very, very, very finite. That is in the top ten copies, top eight copies of that book on the planet. And the likelihood of that many more being found in that grade, you know, are, are, are diminishing daily. Like you said, things get lost. Things yeah. get thrown out. The kid goes to college and mom throws out the comics. I mean, how many times have you heard that story, right? Um, and so the fact of the matter is that's what makes this stuff really valuable. There's a lot of times I turn around and be like, God, that's undervalued. You know, such a major staple character, a worldwide, you know, like human uniting character. This isn't like, you know, whose government's better, whose religion's better. No, this is a, a, a worldwide human character that people relate to, whether it's Superman, Batman. I mean, you can show that Superman symbol in every continent and you're going to, people know it. Period. They know it. They, they might know it more than the cross. I mean, seriously, depending where you go. Yeah. I mean, I'm just being yeah. serious. I mean, okay. So what does that really mean? And how, how much is that? What, what, what kind of value does that have in our world? You know, and, and again, you hear about, you know, what these characters mean to people. Like Adam said, we've heard incredible stories that have brought the whole crew to tears in, that are superhero-related stories about how it impacted their life. You know, we did an incredibly emotional interview with Phil and Theo. I don't know if you follow those guys, you know, uh, uh, podcast. And oh, the story that Phil told about his daughter is just incredible. You know, and it had to do with superheroes. And so that part of it to us is, is very amazing because, again, this stuff was absolutely the other end of the spectrum. I think that's what's kind of cool. It's not, like, it's not like Dad had a comic book shop and it wasn't doing real well, and, but it was out there. No, this was totally underground, you know what I mean? And has now surfaced. And not only has it surfaced, I mean, here we are working with Adam, who's had many other successful films, to bring it to the world in a way that's like... Okay, not only are we here, we're really here, you know. So it's just wild, you know. Yeah, and it almost, um, to be honest, it almost sounds a little bit, you know. Most people, 
especially in the comic collecting community, would normally want to probably take on these 300,000 comic books and go through them and stuff like that. But it almost seems to be a little bit more of, you know, I don't want to necessarily say a burden, but a don't little say bit of a burden. You no, know? don't say a little bit. You know, it's funny. Uh, you touched on something that reminds me. It's a kind of humorous. Um, you know, people, again, you know, you have people of all walks and be like, wow, you know, God, hearing all those books, that's a nice problem to have. And a lot of times I've answered, I go, perhaps, but it's still a problem. Yep. And that's the case. So if I gave you 300,000 comics right now, where'd you put them? You have someone <laughs> to put them? Right. You're right. Do you have three shipping containers in a warehouse that you own, ready to go? Do you have climate control? Do you have dehumidification? Do you have fire protection? Do you have security? Do you have separate security? Do you have insurance? Insuring this collection is about 25000 a year. Pro yeah, I was going to say, it, it, there's a lot, of, a lot of maintenance that goes yeah. into it. And yeah. was, was your father at all in, into the maintenance and insurance and stuff like that? Or was well, it I, don't, I, don't, I can't answer to the insurance because, remember, everything was hush, hush, secret, secret. The books didn't mm -hmm. even exist, don't forget. Oh, my God. Okay, but the thing is that uh, I, I can't answer to that, but I can't answer to his neurosis. I can't answer to the fact that because they were in the home um, that he didn't want to leave it and that he didn't want to go on vacations because he was constantly worried about security and that he was worried about, um, you know, uh, power outages. So he got a generator um, and again, nothing wrong with that. But the reason he got the generator, the reason he got the generator was so that the AC would run in the summer if the power went out for a week so that they would keep the dehumidification. Mm -hmm. Not, it wasn't to make us more comfortable right, or safer. Yeah, was, it, it was just, to it was to make sure the comics were <laughs> Right, yeah. It's not yeah. to make sure the fridge stays running so the Correct. stays good. Yeah. It's no. the comics don't get That was a side it. thing. Right. But I remember when he bought the generator and I remember what his priorities were. Can it run the air conditioning while doing up these other things? So, so these will be safe, and that was one hundred percent, you know. So he led with the collectibles. That's why in the um, again, please watch that other video. I think you'll really like it. And please let me know. You please email me what you think, um, and Adam too. But you'll see that there's a scale in the label. Okay, now that's representative of him being an attorney. Okay, and you'll see if you look at that label the way the scale is tilted. And you have our family that are on one side of the scale, and you have a couple of comic boxes on the other. So it's it's a metaphor for the priority, and then obviously bringing into uh, just the fact of, uh, that he was an attorney. Because I had to do a lot of layering, um, you know, to get in this whole story as much as I could on this finite little label. And our artist, so brilliant, you know, Eric. Uh, just blew us away with how he was able to incorporate, you know, all this stuff based on just me giving him these ideas for images to, you know, represent the story. So there's just, all I can say is that no matter what people think about this story, uh, I just, if I had to, if I had to like name one thing that I would want people to walk away with, uh, I would say, well, I would say too, I have to cheat. I would say humbled and authentic. Okay, because the thing is that there's nothing here that's being blown out of proportion and, and you know, to make the, either the film or the story more interesting. We're incredibly humbled at the opportunity we've been given by so many people. You know, we're hated on some, by some people for the label, we're, we're praised on others. Well, I got news for you. When CGC and Matt Nelson, the president of CGC, gets a hold of you and says, we'd like to offer you this opportunity, what do you tell them? 
Ah, thanks, no thanks. Screw you. Buzz off. You know, no, you don't do that. Okay, you respect it. You respect that they uh, uh, admire the authenticity. You respect that you're not a pedigree by definition. I'm asked that all the time. Why are you not a pedigree? And the answer is it's very simple. Read the rules. Okay, read the rules right on CGC's website. Okay, and the rules are that you, they, it has to be acquired by first hand. Now that can include an inheritance, so that doesn't that omits me. I can still count as a pedigree. Okay, inheriting it, but he had to buy this stuff first hand. And he didn't buy all of it firsthand. He bought most of it firsthand, but not all of it. And they like to represent the entire collection. So that's why they're calling it a provenance collection and a named collection. And they've done that other times. You know, Nicholas Cage has a named provenance collection because he's Nicholas Cage. Okay? Well, we're a provenance collection because of the story, because of the preservation, okay, and, and so on. So we're certainly not Nick Cage, okay? But you know what? Uh, the story is a little more interesting than just being a superstar or rich person that was able to buy whatever they wanted. Okay, um, so when they come to you and say, "Would you like to do a label?" You make the most of that opportunity. And we did the best we could, and we incorporated a lot of things because of it. On the front, we put both the Fantas, which is the name of the collection, which is a name my father used. You know, people yell at me, "Why don't you use his name?" I thought this was cooler. This is a name that he used, which also, by the way, literally translates into a person with extraordinary foresight and dreamer, believer, and practical person. That is the textbook dictionary Oxford definition of that word, F-A-N-T-A-S-T. I thought it was cool. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> but I, I, I think I, it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> I went with it. So guess what? Hey, I own it. Yeah, okay. Hey, hey, that's yeah, it. Hey. <laughs> Haters be haters. I mean, that that leads into the you're talking about authenticity. That's part of the film is that you know people aren't understanding you correctly, right? Part is knowing like when you come out, when you're vocal with it, when you're not hidden with it, people aren't always going to take you the right way. It's part of like being like in our culture right now is people are going to make shit up. They're going to take it the wrong way, and it's going to you know it's going to hurt, right? It's going to it's going to trigger. It's going to hurt. And we get to, you know, kind of look, watch that process and, and, you know, watch the, the thick skin develop because it's not an easy thing to have everyone peering into your life. I, um, and so I applaud Darren for letting us in. It's, it's hard, man. It's, uh, I've been in my own films before and I always had to think of myself as a character so that I wouldn't, wouldn't worry how I come off so much, you know? Yeah, it is harder than I ever imagined. It is harder, and I, and I don't say that with boohoo. I say that with just, again, authenticity and truth. It is very, very hard to expose your story, especially embarrassing and personal. Um, put yourself out there for all the jealousy, for the hate, for the everything. You know, you, you, you put it on stage for everybody to, to comment. And it, it, I, I, since I've never done anything like this before, since I'm not used to a limelight or a spotlight in any way, nor do I crave it, um, it, is, it is harder than I could ever imagine. And fortunately, Adam has to brunt a lot of that from me where I'm like, damn it, why did we do this? And you know, and I mean it, those are, those are correct statements. Um, but I do think it's important because again, I don't want to shy away from you know, people that may have a different opinion. All I ask is that they understand what we did first. So if you're gonna hate on the label and say, well, why would you put Fantast and selling Superman on the front of the label, that's terrible. Well, understand that there was a lot of thought that went into it and we said, okay, we're naming the collection Fantast, so we wanna represent that. And then, you know, there's gonna be this documentary that if people see, then they can relate and say, oh, this is a book from that movie, from that story. So we figured that was a smart thing to do, is to put both, both both ways that someone could associate our story, which would be A, the film, and B, just the name of the collection, right there on the front, keep it minimal, and then on the back, really explode the story. 
Yes. So, again, maybe that was the most foolish thing in the world, and that's just fine. Just, just understand the decision. Well, and, and the film affects his life, so it's part of it. I mean, you can't. Uh, there's some parts I can't say yet that you'll see in the film, but the crew in the film really have an effect on the story. There, there is no fourth wall. We're part of this journey, and I love films like that where because you can never be a total observer as a documentary crew. You're affecting it, so why not? take it to the nth limit and, and be honest about how we're affecting somebody's life while we're filming them. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And um, to, to go back to the label on the CGC case, I think, you know, in my opinion, it was a very good or a very good uh, decision to make because that's kind of reassuring that the story isn't going to leave these books. You know, so, so now wherever these books end up in 100 years, 150 years, it's it's goes back to the Fantast collection mm -hmm. and, and sure. your collection and your family and your story. And like I said, a lot of times when I, when I hear stories like those, then I, I get even more attached to the book than I was before that. You know, no, it's funny you say that. Uh, <laughs> so many, so many enlightening moments. Um, you know, you, you were coming from the opinion that we hope everyone has. Now, that's not realistic, okay, that you were drawn in and it would be more likely for you to possibly own a book because it's from the collection. That's wonderful, okay? Uh, but there are people that say just the opposite. They're like, oh, now that I know about this toxic family and these, you know, blah, 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 I would never buy one of those books. You know, and at first that kind of irked me. I'm like, God, really? You know, you could always just re-slab it, boy. And it, 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 it did get under my skin originally. And you know, it's funny because um, one of the characters in the film, um, uh, Josh, and he's become like a little brother. But the thing is that in, in, in sometimes his innocence is so precious because um, he reminds me uh, just of a different level of, of, of thinking and humility. But the point is that he said, well, Darren, do you want one of those people owning your books? <laughs> it was like, ding, like yeah. a light bulb went off. I'm like, oh, my God, that is like totally right. This is if this is a way to wedge those people that I wouldn't want owning these books away from our books? Wow, what a little gift. Yeah, I mean, I just thought ticket. that was so, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was so profound of him to just very simply just say, well, wait a minute, why are you worried about those people? Do you even want them owning them? And the answer is no, I don't. Right. So, cool. I think it's yeah, really cool too because there's so many times where you hear and see and look up things about comics and it's like, why do you like this comic? And it's like, well, I think if it, I get it now and save it for this and slab it for this, it'll be worth as much money. But I'm always more like the story guy. Like, I love the stories. I love the characters. That's why I got into movies. That's why I got into books and things all. And this is such a great story and having that story. And it's not just another, like, look at all these comics I have. Look how much they sold for. Look at this exactly. is really cool. Like, it's like, like I said right. before, a glorified situation. But the deeper story on the backside like Javier was saying is like that almost means more to me than if I had Superman number one sitting here with me you know that's so 100%. cool that you guys are taking that and taking that authenticity that you talked about and applying that to this movie instead of just you know if if people are thinking you're cashing in like you would have made a totally different documentary I feel like you know what I mean yeah. you could have mm -hmm. you could have made an hour and a half long commercial for these comics instead but you told the real story, and I really. But see, it. that's and that's what we're getting blamed of too, because again, no awareness. Listen, it's super simple. This could have been about any, any asset. 
I just watched a documentary on Pez. Adam watched the same one. I think we were on the same flight when we watched it together. The guy, you know, the, an extraordinary story about this guy sneaking Pez dispensers into the United States from like the plant. And oh my God, that's a story. That's not about Pez. You know what I mean? That's a story. Okay. Um, this could be about comic books. This could be about baseball cards. It could be about Pokemon cards. It could be about movie posters. Any asset, okay, of excess, just to make it more interesting, of an obsession, right? It could have been about anything. It could have been about bottle caps, for God's sake. Seriously. It could have been about stamps. <laughs> Pick it. So the thing is that this has nothing to do with, I mean, of course it does because, you know, uh, uh, again, we, we tie in the superhero and, and even not the superhero, just some of the old stories, like the pre-comic code stuff, the horror stuff, right? Um, uh, explaining how these stories really change throughout our history. I mean, you have stories of women's rights, ethnic rights, all sorts of things that are represented in these stories. I talk about that in the trailer. That's really amazing when we're going through these endless covers and like, wow, look at Superman with Hitler in one hand and, you know, uh, Mussolini in the other hand or whatever. And there's all different variations of all of it. Okay, wow, this is straight up propaganda back in the day. You know, and then understanding how they had to stop with some of the, you know, the women related stuff, whether they'd either be, you know, you know, getting slapped or tied up just because, again, back then in those days, that wasn't as offensive to them at the time. But understanding that it's just really wild. So that's part of this. But this could have been about any asset. What if my dad had 500 cars? Yeah, I don't know. It'd be about working out 500 cars and calling up Barrett Jackson and whatever. And okay, what are we doing here, guys? Yeah. I mean, right? It'd be about that. That'd be interesting too. This just happens to be about comics. Yeah, it's the same journey that's getting that's getting told in the same story, yeah. regardless of the asset that that is there. Yeah, the li I mean, the little part that I, I might say is cool about comics is that there's certain archetypes in comics and there's certain heroic traits in comics that we tend to admire. And it's nice to look at those and see what we're taking on and whether or not we're taking that on as true. You know, stories, I think, impact us more than cars, right? So, or bottle caps. We ingest those stories. People have a, a deep relationship with those stories. Superman is more well-known than a, a bottle cap. Because Superman is an iconic figure. And it was important to Darren. You know, Darren wearing the Superman underoos. I, got, I say Superman when I go get a coffee. I put my name as Superman now. And just go. to watch <laughs> someone smile. I, I like to see them struggle to say it like they don't want to. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, Very who's this for again? Who? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Who's this for? Superman. I'm like, you damn right. Uh, <laughs> you make them say it. You're like, yep. they make them say it, and then some little kid looks up, and I'm like, shh, don't tell anyone. You know, uh, there you go. Uh, but but no, there's some there is something unique I think about these stories because they had they and they're so big now. You know, Hollywood is really forcing them down our throats. All these heroic stories, and I, I come from the place where I think you know Hollywood's putting a little too much. I'll say a little. I'm being nice. Uh, focus on the powers. And this fight against evil and, and less about like the inner hero and maybe what yeah. the true, like like we we're saying, Darren's mom's a, a real hero in so many ways. Darren's a hero in so many, you're a hero in everyday ways. And I think the little choices we make are the heroic things, not the big. How often are you going to have the big battle against Darth Vader in your life? Probably never. And, and we're probably scared that we might do the wrong thing if we did come across that moment of do I save the world or myself? But there's a lot of heroic things we can do day to day just in the way we relate to ourselves or our family that I think are really heroic that, you know, just doesn't get portrayed in a lot of the stories. And um, so I, it's something me as a filmmaker I get to like play with a little bit and touch on and, and use that make comics 
unique in this collectible, right? Superman is, is like Darren was saying, they, they say the cross, the Jewish star, and Superman are the three most known symbols. I think, uh, I think Kevin Smith said that, you know, clerks. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that, you know, Superman probably being one of the most famous people or, you know, not real people, but famous figures yeah. on, on the planet. Yeah, I think I, it's I'm a great. Down, I'm reminding myself to get Kevin Smith in the movie. Okay, go. go sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot him our way too while you're at it. Um, All right. <laughs> I think it's a great vehicle too for you know the, this this documentary does have a lot to do with mental health and you connected yeah. feeling like you wanted to be Iron Man and feeling like you wanted to have that suit to, of safety and everything up until now like Wakanda Forever being a most recent one and dealing with struggles and loss and you know cultural acceptance and things like that i think superheroes create that i don't know vehicle is the best word but vehicle for getting that out to the masses to feel like you're not alone and you have that outlet to connect to so i think this is a you know i don't know if you get that with bottle caps you know but <laughs> you're right but, but i think this is yeah. a great way to you know, as somebody who deals with mental health stuff as well, I think just finding that thing to connect to and having that be the Iron Man suit for you and this collection and just the, the weird thing that you had Iron Man to connect to to deal with your well, mental that, health. That, but just also to be clear, that was... The, the Iron Man, yeah. The Iron Man was the artist that did our label. Not oh, okay. artist, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, right, but to him, it was extremely yeah. powerful because right. he was very bullied and, um, you know, and, and so on. And he tells that. And we, we, we talk about that in the film. But um, but you're right. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah that represented that to him I 100%. Think, I think it's crazy that the, the heroes that make you feel like you can feel safe connecting to them can also be mm. a collection that makes you feel mental health issues at the same time. So... Yeah, you know, I know. driving, I mean, yeah. driving that, and exploring these things is just fascinating to me. As you know, yeah. the story goes. It is. And again, I, I, if if someone asked you, do I consider my father a collector? I really don't. I consider you know um, um, someone that collects, someone that enjoys their possessions, that that shares in them, that is proud of them. Um, maybe perhaps displays them, has reasons for them. Not someone that just buys everything, shows it, throws them in a box and says, well, you know, maybe these would be worth something. Like, he never looked at them. He never touched them. That's why they're such incredible shape. Okay? I mean, literally, my, my friend that is my best friend that is on this journey with me, who, again, is in the trailer and um, we brought up Brian, you know, he, he's, he, he literally smells his comics. It's not, it's not, that's not a funny thing. I'm not telling you guys anything new. You know, that's important to him. Okay. And the thing is that, again, I'm, um, um, I'm not making fun of it right now. I'm trying to talk about, you want to talk about someone's into it. I mean, that's the real deal. That wasn't my dad. It wasn't even close to my dad. You know what I mean? It wasn't even close to uh, having that kind of mindset. The reason he didn't grade wasn't because he was a purist and loved raw books. It was because he was afraid. He didn't want them to leave his sight. He thought they were going to switch them on him. He thought someone was going to steal them in the parking lot from him. These are real, that's the male guy who's going to steal them, whoever. You know, I mean, that's not a way to live. That's just not a way to enjoy your collectibles where you're so paranoid for them and about them that uh, you don't even enjoy them in any way, shape, or form, nor do you let your friends or family in on the journey. Right. Okay? I mean, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know how many people I've run into and say, you know, uh, I'm collecting and now my kids into it with me. And now my son's into it with me. And this is going to be his collection one day. 
My father was not consciously doing it. He was not building a collection for me. That is incredibly important to relay. My father was not building a collection for the family. He wasn't. He would have handled it differently. He would have responded to us differently when he asked about it. He would have had intent. He would have had wishes. He would have had documentation. Okay, he, again, he had the capability. He was a brilliant man. You know, there's nothing wrong with having Asperger's at all. I have many friends that have it. I have many friends that children have it. But it's managed and it's realized. Okay, I wear glasses. You two obviously wear glasses. Why do you wear glasses? Because your eyesight without them is not perfect. <laughs> so you utilize a, a, a crutch to get them more in tune with, you know, again, being, being at, a, at a level that lets you perform optimally. Well, my father did not address his condition and did nothing to try to perform optimally and or treat others optimally. And so, therefore, everyone suffered. There is nothing wrong with having any condition in life as long as you are aware of it, manage it, admit it. And, you know, we've run into, Adam more so than me, run into many different personalities through Comic-Cons or whatever that literally announce that they have a form of autism and or Asperger's in their first meeting so that yeah. they make sure that they do not offend you unintentionally. Just like, listen, hey, you know, if, I, if, I, if there's something a little off, you know, socially or whatever, this is why. Oh, my God, no problem. Let's go. And then, and I got news for you, anyone that makes fun of that, well... I don't want anything to do with that kind of person. But the point is anyone that is any quality kind of person that looks at a person with a wheelchair and says, oh, let, let me open that door for you or give you a little extra assistance and recognizes the condition, fantastic. That's where it's supposed to be. But I think the main piece of this is when you bring in the mental health, it was unadmitted, unrealized. Even when we went to him countless times and said, Dad, you really are making feel people feel uncomfortable with your social, you know, uh, uh, the way you the way you carry yourself and the way you say things and the way you don't say things or the way you don't recognize body language or someone getting very upset, that was the hurtful part, is that he never took our word for it that he was hurting. It was always someone else's fault, either our fault or we were taking it wrong. So that was that was that struggle and what tied into all this. And and from my understanding, like you said, it went unaddressed, but it went undiagnosed for a long time as as well, right? So literally, unofficially diagnosed to, to the end of his life. Oh, wow. Because my mother went to multiple counselors and things, and, and I did. But see, he made fun of that. He predatored on that. If you went to counseling, you were weak. If you went to counseling, it meant you were crazy. There's something wrong with you. Why are you going to counseling? I'm not going to counseling. I'm fine, is what he'd say. Well, number one, you're not fine at all. And just because you don't go doesn't mean there's nothing wrong. It would be like <laughs> you not admitting that you need maybe uh, help with your eyesight. Well, denial doesn't fix your eyesight. Right, you Makes get some glasses, you correct it, yeah. and whatever. You want to be in denial all you want. I don't care, but you still can't see right, man. I mean, <laughs> and again, me either. I, I need glasses too for distance. So the point is, what's wrong with that? Why? And he wore glasses. That was a huge part of his thing. Is he had four retina attachments on? Yeah, Adam's wearing glasses. Look at that. These are blue blockers. But that's yeah, a phony. You're one. I know it's in. fake. <laughs> <laughs> I look like a grandma. You guys right. have cool glasses. I look like a grandma. Right, blockers, <laughs> So it just it just it just goes back to no, it was never officially diagnosed to him. It was always passively. So he'd go to some therapists and stuff with my mom, you know, and everything, and and it was always passively diagnosed. But he met every single, you know, literally bullet point, okay, and so it became extremely obvious. But when it wasn't obvious, then we was we were faced with two choices: does Dan have a slight handicap, or whatever you want to call it, okay? Because that's not a bad word. 
Okay, in my book, and someone else may hate on me. Like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. Look, there's some 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 portion that he needs assistance with, just like glasses. Okay, mm -hmm. whatever. Or is it conscious and he's just a jerk? Because the net result of either one is he's making people feel very very bad. Mm -hmm. So, are you doing it intentionally, or can you not help it? And we always wanted to believe that he couldn't help it because that's a lot less painful, isn't it? Than believing that your father is literally hurting your mother and your brother, who can't even defend himself properly, by the way. And then, of course, me and his other family members and his business partners and, and, and. You know, there was always a common denominator of what wedged the relationships that he was in. It was always him. So, okay, do we feel sorry for you because you have this, you know, slight problem that maybe you need to just be more aware of? Or are you just not going to admit it ever? And okay, fine. I guess it's all conscious, and you're just a jerk. But his angle was everyone else was crazy, but him, and that they were all overreacting, and that he wasn't responsible for the loss of any of these wasters. So I, was, I mean, I just don't know what you do with that. You know, so that's yeah. where we were at. <laughs> well, I, I want to say we, you know, we interviewed recently a, a phenomenal lady named Temple Grandin, uh, who's PhD over at uh, Colorado State, and has had movies made about her. And she's such an advocate of like, of training, meaning like learning. You know, yes, uh, she's she's more talking autism in general, and she really helped also say like, you know, Asperger's putting it within the autism spectrum is, it's not the greatest thing because they're, they're very different, you know, and but there's some similarities, but it's also very very different. Um, but she, she's such an advocate for training just learning you really got to teach people teach people manners teach, like everyone the whole society to be honest she loves superman darren ended up giving her you know we we gave her a book you'll see that in the film too but um she was i really love that about there she's just like no no we need to be aware of it and train you know and so it might take longer to learn people's you know the, their faces and that they're expressing emotion but she's like but I trained myself to learn that you know and I had help and it was good that I knew that you know that we knew that I needed help with that uh, and and like we met a guy at Comic-Con that yeah he was dressed as Superman he's like I just found out you know I had Asperger's two years ago and he's like now I tell people like Darren was saying and it's really helped my relationship his, his girlfriend was dressed as Wonder Woman and you know it, it helped people understand if you react a certain way like don't take it personally um, that kind of stuff. So, you know, hopefully this is Autism Awareness Month and next month is Mental Health Awareness Month too. So we're in a, a, a big time to, you know, talk about these things. I love that Darren is open to talk about it in the film and that his whole family has been open just to talk about it, to normalize these things. It's really important. Yeah, definitely. And it, and it really speaks on, on you guys, um, you know, as a family, you know, we were talking when all these things get thrown into to everything, whether it's it's the hardships that you guys went through and when you were currently going through it and even be, de having to deal, deal with it now, um, you know, you had mentioned, you know, you are still Darren at the end of the day and, and none of this is really changing changing you and and I, I feel like I can I can tell that just from the this conversation that we've had that you're 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 very humble and it seems um even from the documentary or the trailer and um everything that Adam has put together um it seems like like I'm at least that's the way that I'm taking it is that you guys are very humbled and and this doesn't seem like it's gonna be you know I'm sure it is life-changing it is gonna be life-changing but you know not in a way of you know, if, if most people were handed a few million dollars, I'm sure they'd go and buy a, a car and a mansion and all this, all this other stuff. And it would change them and almost probably realistically bring the demons out, you know, 
of, of some people and it seems like you guys are very you know on top of um, yourselves and very humbled and like I said you know bringing this to the screen and, and being public with with the whole story is is hard you know and um, I I think it's, it's what's making it a really great story um, and that's what I keep like I said I keep finding my, myself more and more attached to you guys and your story than than any of it well thank you so much and, and, and you're hitting it on the head I mean it hasn't changed me one bit um, again like I, I say and I, I, I don't say it in a way to to boost myself but I think it is important for people to know that that again I, I, I I've uh, been able to provide myself the lifestyle that I, I wanted well outside of these comics, um, and that it isn't changing that. Will 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 we capitalize on the financial value? Of course we will. Will we share it with a lot of people? Of course we will. Will we be fair and extra fair on, on a lot of the sales? Yes, we will. Okay. Uh, will we maximize our opportunity and sell with places like Heritage? Uh, not all of it, but a lot of it. I get a lot of hate on that. Like, oh, you're probably going to give it all to Heritage. Heritage has been incredible to me. Now, you might say, well, of course they have, but the answer is, it's just good business and it's just good customer service, okay? And the answer is, anybody is free, you don't need to be, uh, you know, Heritage sells books for $20. I hope everyone realizes that, okay? They don't just sell, you know, $1,000 books and up or anything like that. No, they sell all kinds, anything you want to sell. I could literally drop off this entire collection to them and sell it. Now, that does not mean that we're not selling it through other many, multiple dealers. I'm selling through multiple dealers, okay? Harley Yee being one of them, if you know that name, okay? He's a local Detroit guy. He's always been honest. I, I knew him as a kid. I didn't know him, but I knew of him as a kid. Um, and, 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 and so people like that, he has an incredible reach. He goes to like, God, he's got to go to 30, 40 shows a year. The guy's insane. Yeah. He's always on the road, okay? And, and so there's incredible reach with him. And then we're dealing with very, very, very small dealers that I'm giving a big break to, and I enjoy that process, okay? We go to local tiny little shows here. I don't ever shut up myself. I let them shut up. I let them get the notoriety, and we work on consignment, you know? So, again, all different avenues of people benefiting, benefiting, benefiting. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong <laughs> with... Uh, uh, you know, again, capitalizing on the opportunity, okay, um, that, that fell in our lap, whether we wanted it or not, it would be foolish to not be aware and cognizant of the value and trying to make sure that we're not necessarily getting the last penny for everything, but just not trying to, like you said earlier, not get taken. Yeah. Right? Because there's a lot of people that would come in here and be like, oh, I'll give you X for the lot. You know, well, that would be rash and foolish. And luckily, we are not in a position where we need to be desperate on any front. So that's how I'll just qualify that. Is but again, yes, profit will be made. Yes, that's really, really nice. But it's not going to again. It's like you said, not going to change what cars I drive or whatever else. It will be things will be invested. There's generational situations to think about with my, with what I call my children, stepchildren, um, and and many other things. So. Um, I just, I just challenge anyone to what they would do differently, you know. Yeah. I mean, you want to tell me to give it all away? Okay, well, give them away a lot. Right, but I did that before, too, so. Right. Just, I mean, just amplifying my existing character, if that means anything. To that point, too, now, you said you're going through, like, charities, you're giving to charities, you're giving stuff to smaller people. Being able to give 10% of $100 is not as good as being able to give 10% of a $1 million, so... 
you capitalizing on everything is just giving you more to give to people in need and you know those charities and things as well so i don't know why <laughs> why you wouldn't in the first place you know Right. I, I, again, I just, you know, everyone wants to say, and, I, and I'm not just feeding into what people think, but it just, it is interesting until you think about if it's happening to you. Right. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to judge what I'm doing. But, okay, now just all of a sudden, like I say, deal with your father's passing on your own. Remember, I dealt with it all. You know, put him in hospice, made the decision, all these things. So there's an emotional impact, of course. Um, whether I had differences with him or not, I still loved him. I mean, I still, I, I, you know, there are times I miss him. There are times I, you know, want to call him and tell him something. But at the end of the day, no, he, he really was a pain point for me for most of my life. And that's just a fact. I'm not boohooing about it, okay? I mean, you know, there's, there's people that have different levels of abuse in their life, of, of parenting or whatever else, and I'm not trying to compare mine to anyone else's. I'm just saying what it is. I'm not trying to say mine's more or less than someone else's. I'm just saying it did occur. It did impact me. It did impact the way that I feel. It did away. Did impact the way I judge myself in life. It was hurtful. Period. I watched my mom go through a lot. Period. And then to come out later and have you know uh, people misunderstand and say things about your own mother. That's a little hard. Yes. You know, it, you want to say something about me? That's one thing. You want to start judging my mom, like Adam said. I mean, she's the opposite. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I even you know, it's not, it's not my personal story, but it's. The movie, right? And I got a little riled up on the YouTube, and I found myself, you know, seeing people on YouTube, and the comments were so off that I'm like, oh, I gotta respond to everyone and tell them how it is. And then I, and then I paused about five minutes into that, and I was like, it's fucking midnight, man. Like, go to bed, Adam. (laughs) You know, you're not gonna change the world tonight. Just go to sleep. And uh, you know, I recognize I have certain skills and I meditate so like maybe I can turn that off and it, and it and it's also not my mother and it wasn't my life right um, but you know that's not easy to deal with you know I don't know I don't know DJ jungle if you you, you know you if your mental health is struggling going to sleep or anything like that but uh, that, that can be hard if people are talking smack you know it's not the easiest thing to just go I'm fine um, we're not really taught that that well I don't think in America to, to, to just have self self-worth regardless of what you know social media is saying so it's tough especially being males in the midwest like you're from detroit where i'm from wisconsin he's from indiana you know it's uh, here especially it's still really tough to just talk about your feelings in general especially as a male so you know just putting this out there and being like hey we're doing this we're here you you can come to us and you can come to this community and we see you for you know who you are and we're okay with that but you know just just be upfront with yourself be upfront with us and let's all work together to make everybody happy and you know the mental health side is just speaking volumes to me so and i'm speaking with my hands a lot that aren't even on the camera yeah. but <laughs> i really i really appreciate you guys being here and not just putting out just another documentary just like every other documentary that you could have put out uh, I guess uh-huh. one thing I do want to ask, is there anything else that you want to say before we go? Or where can we find more information? You said sellingsuperman.com and the Instagram. Is there anywhere else you guys want to direct people? I, I mean, yeah, just, yeah. I just want to tell people, yeah, go to the website, um, sellingsuperman.com, because A, you can see the trailer, but B, you can sign up for the email list. And we're going to do stuff like scholarships slash giveaways. You know, we want to... 
you know, help any young dealers get going with, uh, and I say we meaning like Darren and his collection, right? But we as a, as a group, you know, this film is part of it all. So drop your email in, become part of the community, and, and we're going to keep, keep the conversation going. We, we look at it just like the way you're talking, where it should be a helpful thing. Uh, hopefully the film and Darren putting his ass on the line like this will inspire some people and help some people out. And please, you know, and again, anywhere um, Harley Yee is, you know, he, he off, you can literally walk up to him or his staff and say, show me the Fantastic books. And they usually have them segmented. And, uh, you know, um, I bet you they're going to be in really nice shape. <laughs> the stuff that he's got. Um, so, <laughs> so the thing is that enjoy and um, know that he's selling them on our behalf. He's very fair. Uh, but there's other dealers as well, like Hatchback Comics, okay, and um, 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 Big Daddies out of out of Cleveland. And and again, these are smaller time, but that's what I'm doing it for. That's why I'm doing it. You know, to to, to spread it around and give people the opportunity. Um, uh, but I, I, I guess one thing I'll just close is, man, that, um, you know, it's funny how money is what a lot of times influences either people's jealousy or opinions or, you know, gives them, gives them a, uh, um, you know, just, well, it's just that it gives them an opinion. And I can just speak to the fact that, you know, it's not about the money. And if it's about the money for people, then they really are probably watching the wrong documentary or just don't want to understand us. Um, this isn't a money grab situation and again yes there's money in it okay uh there's money in any comic dealer you know it's i find it ironic that you know i'll get i'll get criticized by people that uh, about how i'm handling the sales of my comics from people that make their living selling comics it's like well if you do that you're obviously profiting and you're charging more than you're paying for it so that's interesting isn't it um Okay, I have a cost basis of zero on all of this. Yes, I understand that. So does that mean they should all be sold for a dollar? I mean, again, it's just silly, okay? Yeah. People are silly. And so the thing is that money changes people's opinions on things, and it shouldn't. It's just the way Adam said, in, in America especially, you know, maybe in, in other parts of the world, but, you know, we're so ingrained in materialism and, you know, um, status and all that, and <laughs> this isn't what this is about at all, and it's not so again, we're going to respect and recognize the worth and value of the assets. That's just common sense, people. Yep. So, um, okay. So if you want a fair deal on a great book, we'd love to sell you one. You know, please see again our dealers. We don't take as many. Well, we, it's very hard for us to do direct requests. So, like my Instagram is fantast underscore comics is what the one I manage, and then there's selling Superman film. Um, but the fact is, it's very difficult for me to fulfill requests directly with DMs and things because, again, they're not in order. It's not about me, like, you know, not, not wanting to deal with a little guy or something like that. It literally is, if you ask me where Fantastic Four 129 is, I have it and I don't know where. I yeah. can't go to a box and say, here it is, <laughs> okay? And here's the 10 copies of it. Okay. Your, <laughs> or your boxes are I, a I lot don't. Bigger. Well, but they're, they're, it's not just that, they're just all over. He didn't yeah. put them in order. He didn't put them in order. That is such an amazing thing, and it's something we're dealing with constantly. So, um, you know, right now we're still sifting through things, and we're deciding what to grade and not, because that's, like, one of the biggest decisions. You know, great, great, not great. I mean, I, 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 I can't even tell you how much has been spent on grading, you know. Um, but it's insanely significant. Well, 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 well into the six figures. And so the thing is that it's like... That's daunting, you know. You can't grade everything, nor should you. 
Um, and that's that's one of the first things that we're you know still dealing with it going through and and then the things that aren't we sift out to local dealers or decide what we're keeping because yes the answer is I still I do collect comics I do have ones that I will not part with I do have ones I find very valuable I do buy comics I just bought two great comics at the last Heritage Auction you know Adam thinks I'm crazy you know but hey, that's part of the story yeah. it's part of the story correct, part correct. Of the story. I do. <laughs> everyone's got their own things you know i don't get to decide who's crazy right that's a good thing. we get to we give meaning to who we are so if you like comics that's great you know and if you want to buy comics that's great if, you know, if, I, if i watch champions league soccer which i will that's great you know yeah why not I, think that's but something I was going to say that actually answered like one of my last questions was if there was any bit of this that I'm sure that you're probably keeping um, oh. or if there was a book in there that maybe you wanted as a child and obviously didn't know it was there and found it and you're like, this one's mine. Yeah, I'll speak to that for a second. Uh, you know, because that's another thing that, that I'll get. It's like, oh, he never liked comics and now he's super into it. Well, I'm into business. Right? I have businesses, and I recognize that this is a massive business, okay? And that's what this is. Um, it's an opportunity, it's a business, and it's also a um, um, just, just an overall responsibility, right, to, 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 to my father, even, literally, to um, respect in whatever way I can what he did, intentionally or intentionally, for 50 years, okay? So mm-hmm. that's just that. But... Um, I did not collect comics as a kid. I collected uh, sports cards briefly, uh, but the problem with comics was that I resented them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when it's forced on you in a way that was not the right message, okay, it, comics were not like, oh my god, look at this new character, or oh my god, look at this new cover, or oh my god, can you believe they did a crossover with these two characters? That wasn't how I was brought up with comics. Mm-hmm. My brought up with comics was, I have a bunch of stuff in this brown paper bag that I went to the store, don't look at it, don't touch it, you can't handle it, and we're going to put that away. Well, that was my, that was my, how I grew up with comics. Did I love superheroes? Of course. Did I love the movies? Of course. Did I read some comics here and there? I did, but it was not something I collected or got into because it was almost repelled because of how it was, you know, in our house. That was the message, okay, that I was given with comics. And just, you know, by osmosis, right, not, not even directly. So um, now that I get to see how some of these cool covers are and some of these cool stories, and yes, you know, being a Superman maximalist myself, um, yes, the answer is I'm enjoying the process of being able to say, nope, that's not going anywhere. That's sweet. Let's get more of those um, and or, or that story or whatever. Like I'm reading an awesome story uh, line of Superman right now in, in a series that I love. Okay, well, you know, um, he, he visits his son and all his powers get uh, tripled. And he's just so untouchable, and it's just like, this is the ultimate for a Superman fan. Like, he just, you know. So the thing is that, uh, you know, I do enjoy that. But they're not, they're not, books aren't worth anything. You know what I mean? They're just, they're just, um, you know, the readers. So um, I respect the business side of it. I respect the investment side of it. Um, I do love some of the art and, uh, you know, some of the, some of the, the storylines and the covers. So absolutely the answer is that I am um, um, still holding on to and or purchasing um, you know, certain, certain books to, of good opportunity, um, and significant books, you know, I mean, significant books. So not, not just, you know, just, you know, here and there. I mean, you know, you just we bought some real, real nice books, right but it's not buying, it's trading at the end, mm-hmm. right? Because if you sell a hundred books, 200 books and you buy two, 
that are like focused in on what you want, you know what I mean? That's a little different than just, you know, haphazardly buying stuff out of nowhere. I'm not spending money that's not or coming from the collection. See? Right. That's yeah. something just recycled. We like to, that's something we like to talk about on our podcast too because when we started this, we started feeling like we had to be on top of everything all the time. And we just started buying comic books just to be like, oh, this one's coming out. This, And then we sat down and we're like, this is the stories that I like. This is what I'm going to do. Everything else I can kind of look online. And we talk about things like whatnot and ways to collect. Because obviously we have little collections and do what we do. But it's important to find that medium where you're not losing your house buying a comic book or right. you know, going on eBay and buying this thing that you think is great and you get it and it's fake. Just go out, collect, but be careful. Pay attention to what's yes. going on. And I think that's you have the ultimate story of that, you know? Yeah. No, and, and listen, humbled. And if you want to use the word fortunate, but let's qualify it and say fortunate in comics. I would not trade these comics for the experience I had with my father growing up, period. Okay? Period. I would have much rather had memories, you know, decades and decades of memories with him feeling valued, feeling appreciated, feeling his pride, which I felt none of. Right. And I would have absolutely, again, I made my own way in this world, okay? It doesn't mean that I'm sitting there drinking cocktails with Jeff Bezos, okay? But I made a comfortable way in this world that I was very satisfied with way before this. And the answer is that I, um, I, I would never have traded this inheritance of comics. And to, to, to also speak, he didn't have any other real things liquid. He owned a house, that was it. He, he didn't have tremendous means. 99.9% .9 of his, his, his um, you know, net worth was in these collectibles when he died. I, I'm 99, yeah, 99, 99%, literally. He did not have, I mean, he was on Social Security and didn't find, but he was not a man of means. He focused in on this. So the answer is that, um, no, I, I would I would absolutely trade it in a heartbeat. And even right now, knowing what it's worth, take it off and 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 and, and have that um, the, the, that quality time with him. So uh, I mean that. Uh, there's no way that anyone could really believe me or prove it, but I do mean it. And um, that's all I can say. You know, it's not about the money that way. It, it, it really is about the value uh, of that time and and, and that that feeling. Um, so, but yeah, we do collect certain things and um, have fun with it, and that's what it's for, right? That's what it's for, right. and and it's cool when you find that book and you're like, oh, I've been looking for that, you know, like a, a startling forty, startling um, comics forty nine. I got in real high grade recently. I always want the Bender cover, you know, and again, and there was the opportunity was there. I bought it. It was great, mm -hmm. um, and 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 stuff like that. So, um, Darren likes still get that rush. Book. Darren likes comic books. I can just tell you. I can, you know, he's definitely grown to because, like, after we sold the bat, after the Batman sold that auction at Heritage, later that day, they went to a comic book store. <laughs> you know what? I, I swear to God, Looking they like in Dallas. In, in Dallas, in Dallas. And Brian, they went to a comic book store, and I'm like jaw dropped. I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, they just really like, you know, they like the genre, they like it, you know. Yeah. You, you get yeah. in. I, I starting to like it more and more as I go too, you know, right. and. uh Having my favorite, I'm a Green Lantern dude, yeah, and all that stuff. Go. So yeah, well, it's hard not up. to, right? Once you get exposed to it, yeah. Just wrapping up, I don't think we even have to ask anymore. But uh, Marvel or DC? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Too, too general. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, really, I would say if you have to, overall, um, more characters in Marvel for me than, than DC, but I mean, I just, I, I wouldn't, I, I would never trade Superman. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There you go. So that's a you'd have to, you'd have to ask me if it's Star Wars versus Lord of the Rings. That would be more the question. Okay. <laughs> Which one? I, I was up until with... five a.m. playing Star Wars. So. <laughs> Whoops. I, I have to go to I go with Star Wars because of the the presence of the Force and how that relates to like Yoda and yogic thought and quantum physics. I think it primed me more for life. Lord of the Rings is is quite a cool when it comes to this film quite a cool metaphor because you know Gollum takes his ring and goes into a cave where you can't really even use it and I find that to be very similar to, to Dale yeah. he takes his collection into a cave where he can't even use it so uh, that's my answer Awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow! I, there we go. I created my own question. I created my own question. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm here for it. I feel like we always get so stuck on Marvel and DC, and you know we do do other things outside of this. So that's really cool to hear a different view. Well, to 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 to, to read in on that a little bit more, one of the things that Marvel gets, or DC gets criticized for a little bit is being too like you know, perfect and everything like that. But see, I don't mind that in my superheroes, right? I mean, again, like, you know, again, like if, if people are against, let's say, Superman or something like that. Oh, he's too perfect, too good old boy. It's like, no, no, no. That's 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 kind of what I like, is that larger than life, like, you know, completely, you know, uh, idling, you know, uh, character. So, again, I, I, I respect the writing and, and the, that uh, you know, bringing a Spider-Man or, you know, some of these other characters to real, you know, you know Tony Stark, a drinking problem or whatever, you know, bring it to real world problems that human beings have. I respect that very much. But you know what? When you want to escape and just be like dazzled and wow, I just, I want to feel good and I want to feel comfortable that the good guys are going to win. And, you know, that's what made Star Wars so powerful, right? There was such a clear line of good and evil. Mm-hmm. You know, like you knew which was good and evil. You know, it was very, very evident. Um, and I, and there's been studies about that that, that that I've come across that even that, that that we just identify with that more. It's a comforting feeling to just know where it stands. There's an allure to to having a mystery to it as well. But you know, as far as overall, just ah, you know, this guy, yeah, he's the good guy. You know what I mean? There's a comfort to that, and I like that. I have to admit, I like that. I find myself rooting for the good guy pretty often, but every once in a while there's a villain that I'm like, here we go. <laughs> oh, I love Lex Luthor. I think he's hysterical. I mean, who can't watch Superman 2 and not crack up every time? Yeah. I mean, but the thing is that, uh, you know, but hey, anyway. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Thank you. We're, we're, I'm really happy that we got that side of the story going into it because I think knowing, knowing that it, I said it, four or five times but knowing that it's not just another documentary makes it so much easier to connect to and i i really respect that so thank you very much you guys oh thank you for saying that we appreciate it is there any possible dates for the release of the documentary do you know yeah i mean just think (laughs) mid 24 you know mid 24 or early 24 you know if it's a festival like the first time you might be able to see it but a lot of that just depends how fast we get it done and what festival we go to but uh, we have some really top um, top people in the industry interested in this film uh, already so it's a good thing super awesome yeah. I think that about wraps up this is going to be episode 27 of Lights Comics Action thank you guys once again for, for coming through here and, and Darren thank you for getting extremely personal with it and, and letting us know um, all sides 
of, of the documentary and the story. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys. That conversation with Adam and Darren got heavy at times, and I almost found myself just wanting to sit and listen more than host a podcast. It was, it was, it blew me away. I think I said it at the beginning of the podcast in the intro, but again, like just hearing, you know, how heavy it got, especially when he was a kid and the effects that this collection had on his family and the choices that his dad made you know, to save the collection and not even a thought or a care in the world as to how far, you know, those effects could have on other people in his life. You know, it's, he, he talked about even his business partners outside of his family were being affected by this. So this documentary is going to be, it's going to have a really great story and it's going to be heavy. There's going to be, it's more than just a comic book story. You know what I mean? It's, it's so much more than that. I found myself multiple times in the conversation um, lost for words at, at, to a point where I almost didn't even feel the right to comment, you know, or, or have an opinion or have a comment. But um, I'm very glad that we got to have this conversation and, and actually, you know, talk to them about it and, and even clear some things up from um, what, what the newscast kind of made it seem like and, and what other sources have made it seem like. And I, th- I love Darren's attitude around the whole thing and how real he's being as well. Like, I think he used the word authenticity and authentic. And it just, it, that's exactly what he was with us. You know what I mean? There was, there was that time, I think in the podcast, you had said, I don't want to call it a burden. He's like, call it exactly what it is. And he's just very real and forthcoming about, you know, whether it be struggles, successes, feelings, emotions, everything in the story. And that was super dope. Well, I just want to say thank you again to both these dudes. Be sure to check out sellingsuperman.com. Link in the description below. They also have Instagrams and everything else going along with it. But you can find all that stuff and join the mailing list, just like they said, at selling silver, Silverman. <laughs> Saving Silverman. Sellingsuperman.com. Thanks again to these dudes. Be sure to check our description for things like free money on W.GG using code Collective Comics at checkout to get your jitterless energy. And use our link to sign up for whatnot to get $10 towards your first purchase. Until next time, this has been Collective Comics. Comics. I try to say it at the same time.